Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. On this special Sunday that we've set aside to honor our veterans and remember our loved ones, I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians is no doubt the Apostle Paul's most autobiographical epistle. He opens up, if you will, in 2 Corinthians about his fears, about his burdens, his trials, his emotions, and also his confidence, what allows him through the trials that beset all of us to move forward with confidence. Well, we discover a portion of that here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'd like to speak today on the theme, Old House, New House, as we begin our reading in verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen, they're eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we're always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. D.L. Moody was undoubtedly the best-known evangelist of the 19th century. Most church historians who studied the life of D.L. Moody suggest that he was able to preach to over 100 million souls on both sides of the Atlantic without the aid of radio, television, or even an audio system such as we enjoy here today. D.L. Moody had survived the Chicago fire. He had served as a chaplain during the Civil War. So he lived every day in light of the fact that this day might be his last. Once while speaking to a friend, Moody said, someday you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of Northfield is dead. Don't believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone higher, that's all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that's immortal, a body that sin can't touch, that sin can't taint a body fashioned into his glorious body. Moody said, I was born in 1837. I was born of the Spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die, but that which is born of the Spirit will never die. D.L. Moody understood the passage that we've read this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1 speaks of an earthly house and also of an eternal house. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, 
The body that you're living in right now, why, that's your earthly house. But the body that's been promised to you by God Himself, who originally created you, why, that body is your eternal house. There's an old house and there's a new house. The Bible tells us that while we're living in our old house, we're desiring a new house. All of us desire a new house. It's a God-given desire. It's a natural desire. It's an innate desire. It's a ubiquitous desire. All of us desire a new house. You know why? Well, this passage tells us it's because our old house is perishing. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, we read that though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. There's an outer man, that's your body. There's an inner man, why that's your spirit or your soul. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, our bodies are clay, our bodies are our dust. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's exactly what God said in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. The outer man is dying. It's programmed to be perishing. National Geographic estimates that our bodies are made up of 37.2 trillion cells. Some more, some less, some a lot more. 37.2 trillion cells in the human body. 60 billion of those cells die every day. That means you're losing 1 million cells per second. You know what that means? That means right now while you're sitting here listening to this, you're falling apart. (laughs) All of us are dying. Our cells are programmed to fail. Our bodies are programmed to die. The death of our cells is so well analyzed by scientists that they've actually given it a name, apoptosis, apoptosis, the death of the cells. We are all perishing. Whether it's true for you today or soon will be true for you, we understand that the Bible teaches us that our house is perishing and we desire a new house because our old house is temporary. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 18 says, We look not at the things which are, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are, they're temporal, temporary. Literally, they're temporary. The things that we see are temporary, but the things that are not seen, those are the things that are eternal. Your old house is temporary. Everything we see in the world right now is temporary. Somebody said the only thing that's certain is death and taxes. Reality is taxes aren't that certain. A brilliant businessman with a good accountant might get away from his taxes, but you're never going to get away from death being certain. Death is certain. It's certain that your body's going to wear out. Now, you can exercise, you can diet, you can take vitamins, you can sleep more, you can hydrate, you can do all kinds of things, including meditate. I like what George Bernard Shaw said. He said, the statistics of death have not changed. One out of one person dies. We desire a new house because we dwell in an old house. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 speaks about our old house, calling it an earthly house. 
And our old house is in this passage compared to a tent. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. Then again in verse 4, For we know that in this tabernacle we do groan. Tabernacle or tent. Now the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. He was in the tent making business. And he's comparing our earthly body to a tent. A tent is something portable. It's something typically that's meant to be temporary. It's often something that's very very uncomfortable. Our old house is compared to a tent. It's also compared to a garment. In verses 2 and 3, Paul says, in this body we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with a house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, our old body is being compared to a, a garment. We will be clothed with a new garment and not be found naked. Like an old threadbare suit, there comes a translucence about our skin. Like an old pair of jeans, we tend to get torn and scarred as the years go by. And I know there are some who are in the room this morning who are saying, that may be true of you, Pastor Phelps, but not so much of me. Well, all I can say is give it some time. Give it some time. There'll come a day that you'll bite into that steak and your teeth will stay behind. There'll come a day when the twinkle in your eye is actually the glint of the sun off your bifocals. There may even come a day, it's happened to me, you'll get furniture disease. Your, your chest fell into your drawers. These things happen. Put a mark here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and turn back with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Let's go to chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The book of Ecclesiastes in the 12th chapter paints an amazing picture of how our old house is falling apart. Now the chapter begins with a warning. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, here comes the warning. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember your creator there is one who created you. The time to remember him, this passage says, is in the days of your youth before the evil days come. And then he begins to paint this amazing picture of how our bodies tend to wax and wane. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, says, The keepers of the house shall tremble. He's picturing our arms, our hands, if you will, and how our arms and hands keep us for many things who otherwise could hurt us. And then he says in verse 3, And the strong men shall bow themselves. The strongest muscles in your body are your legs. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says, There comes a day when your legs grow weak and they begin to bow. And the grinders cease because they're few. The grinders, of course, are teeth. And our teeth become fewer. Heard the story of an old man and woman who were seated on front porch swing, when his wife said to her dear husband, honey, you don't sit as close to me as you used to. So he shuffled over a little bit. She said, honey, you don't put your arm around me like you used to. So he took his arthritic arm and he stretched it up over her bony shoulder. And she said, honey, you don't nibble on my ear like you used to. With that, he got up, started into the house. She said, where are you going? He said, if 
I'm going to nibble on your ear. I've got to go get my teeth. Verse 3 continues, those that look out the window are darkened. Cataracts cloud the eyes. The old eagle eye becomes dim. Verse 4, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. The sounds that were once so clear are now muffled. He continues and says, and he will rise up at the voice of the bird. A child can sleep through a tornado. An older person can't sleep through the sound of a songbird. Verse 5, and they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall fall by the way. Pastor Tom needs to pay special attention to verse 5. It says that elderly people don't much like heights. So as he plans his activity calendar this coming year, we would not suggest the high alpine course at the ARC exhibition, not the place to go for the seniors. The grasshopper, he says, becomes a burden. In other words, our strength becomes so lost that even the smallest insect becomes hard to lift. The end of verse 5 says, Man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Verse 7 then reminds us, And then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God that gave it. So we turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We ought to be asking the question, why does God allow this? Why doesn't God superinfuse us with amazing immunities so that we never get sick? Why doesn't He allow us to have a super longevity so that we'll not die? Folks, it's because we live in a sin-tainted world. And in this sin-tainted world, Even the pleasures that we enjoy are tainted by the effects of Adam's fall. But there's coming a day, one day, in which God will give to us new bodies, bodies fit for heavenly places where sin and sorrow is no more. He doesn't want us to get comfortable with our old house. He wants us to realize that we need a new house. We need a new home for our soul. Do you know that your heart beats 100,000 times every day? That means your heart is beating 35 million times a year. By the time you reach the age of 10, your heart has already beat 350 million times. All of us are used at some point or another. By the time you're 20 years of age, your heart has beaten 700 million times. And one day, it's going to stop. And then, according to Ecclesiastes, we'll return to the dust And our spirit will return to God. Are you ready for that day? We desire a new house because we dwell in an old house. Turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as you have and discover with me that there's some good news. We are destined for a new house. The first three words of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 are three of the most powerful words in all the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, for we know. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 addresses some of the most important questions a person will ever ask in just a few short verses. Questions like, what will happen when I die? Will I have a new body after I die? Will I be aware of where I am after I die? Will I like it after I die? For we know. Now, he doesn't say we think. He doesn't say we hope. He doesn't say we speculate. He says we know. You see, the real questions of life and death can't be answered by scientists. Scientists deal with what is observable. 
And the real questions of life and death can't be answered by philosophers. Philosophers deal with what we reason. And the real questions of life and death can't be known and explained by historians. Historians deal with documents and with experience. Real questions of life and death are answered by God. He's our Creator. And our Creator God says, for we know. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8, we are confident. The answers to the questions of life and eternity are not found by speculation. You see, the answers of life and eternity are found in God's revelation. And God's revelation teaches us this. It teaches us that our new house will be supernatural. It will be supernatural. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, in other words, when your tent is taken down, we have a building of God and house not made with hands. Right now we live in a natural body. When the soul slips away from the natural body, no longer dwelling in a tent, we have a building of God. It's a house made without hands. It's a supernatural body. And it's a house that's eternal. It's eternal, this verse says, in the heavens. There are those in this room who've had their tent pegs aligned. They've gone to the orthopedic. They've had their bones set so that they can work better for them after a break. There are some in this room who've gone to the general practitioner. They've had their tent stitched up because of tears. There are even some, perhaps in this room, you don't have to acknowledge who you are, who've visited a plastic surgeon, and you've had the canvas so stretched that there are no more wrinkles. But we're all dwelling in a tent. But we know this. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building, something permanent building of God not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. The Bible says there's no such thing as a disembodied spirit. We're destined for a new house. Jesus spoke about that new house in the Gospel of Luke in the 16th chapter. He pulled back the curtain and gave us a glimpse of what that new house looks like and how it behaves. In Luke chapter 16, the Bible says, that Jesus said there was a certain rich man who fared sumptuously and a certain beggar who laid at his gate. He was full of sores. The beggar's name was Lazarus. The rich man's name is not given to us in the pages of Scripture. But Then Luke chapter 16 says the rich man died and the poor man also he died. And the poor man, the Bible says he went to heaven. The Bible says the rich man went to a different place. In fact, in Luke 16, Jesus speaks ever so lovingly and ever so honestly when he says that rich man when he died in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Lazarus afar off. He saw that Lazarus was being comforted by Abraham. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. Let Lazarus just put the tip of his finger in some water and put it on my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. Lazarus died. Jesus said he was taken and carried by the angels, this poor beggar carried by the angels into the presence of the Lord. He slipped out of his eternal body or or his earthly body into his eternal body. The rich man died. He slipped into an eternal body as well. He awakened in a place of torment. Friends, we are all destined for a new house. It's going to be an eternal house. Some are going to receive their eternal house and they're going to enjoy the the blessings and the beauties of heaven. Others are going to receive their 
eternal house and go through the awful atrocities of hell. We're all destined for a new house. Where will your new house be located? On the streets of gold or in the sulfur places that no one wants to visit? Jesus came to give us a new trajectory. Jesus came into this world and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You see, every one of us is born traveling on a broad road that the Bible says, Jesus says, leads to destruction. Jesus wants to move us off that broad road onto a narrow road. You get on the road to heaven when you confess your sins, when you accept the gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ died to provide for us. For Christ died for our sins. All men die. But Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And the Bible gives us this wonderful good news in such a succinct statement that none of us should miss it. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord for salvation, believing that Jesus died for you? Those who believe in Jesus for salvation, the Bible says, why, they are going to be delighted with their new house. They're going to be delighted with their new house. I can't help but think this morning of some who are here who saw the familiar faces of their loved ones. What it's going to be like when we see one another in glory, delighted in our new house. You see, in this room this morning, there are those who want to be taller, some want to be shorter. (laughs) There are some who want to be thinner, not many who want to be wider. Most of us in the house that we now inhabit find ourselves at some measure discontented, but not in heaven. You know why? We'll be delighted with our new house because there's not going to be any more groaning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 2 says, For in this house we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. What a picture. Our earthly bodies groan, but not our heavenly bodies. We're going to be clothed upon like a great comforter, this new coat that God has prepared for us. No more chill winter, no more discomfort. Can I be transparent for just a minute? I don't feel like my short-term memory works as well as it used to. You feel that way? Sometimes I get gout. Sometimes my shoulder freezes up and I feel like I've got some arthritis going on. I don't feel like my short-term memory works as well as it used to. Okay, I'm just kidding. But you know what? There are a lot of people who come to church Sunday by Sunday and they give an organ recital, not seated over here. They tell us about this organ and that organ and everything that's gone bad. Hey, here's some really good news. One day there's going to be no more groaning. God's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. You know what? We're going to go to prayer meetings in heaven. This this is going to be awesome. And nobody's going to ask for any physical needs. Nobody's going to be sick and nobody's going to be entering death's door. Wow. What a day that's going to be. The former things will pass away and all things will become new. Why are we delighted with our new house? Well, there's going to be no more groaning. It's only going to be glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look across the page there at the 17th verse. You see, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
You know, the Bible even tells us what this glory is going to be like. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, the Word of God says, He's going to change our vile bodies and make them like unto His glorified body. These vile bodies are going to be changed and made into the image of Christ, our Lord Jesus. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 says it this way, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. I love what the psalmist says. The psalmist says it this way, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awaken in thy likeness. That's beyond anything we can even understand. That one day we'll take the form of the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus who was able to enjoy a meal with his disciples yet pass through walls even when the doors were shut. We'll enjoy a body like Jesus, recognizable, and yet able to ascend up into heaven without the benefit of a helicopter. It's going to be glorious. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, It's so glorious that I have a de- desire to depart and be with Christ because it's far better. How much better? Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. All of us ought to be able to say, my heavenly home is bright and fair and I feel like traveling on. No pain nor death can enter there, so I feel like traveling on. Hey, I'd like to share one last thought with you this morning. It has to do with the deed that's available for all those who would enjoy that new body in heaven. The deed to that new house is available today. We all desire a new house because the old house is becoming more and more dilapidated every day. Our earthly houses are temporary, and none of us really knows how long we have. Our current address may be satisfactory. You may be content with it to some measure right now, but the truth is nobody knows how soon we'll be traveling on. And the question we asked this morning, when you are traveling on, will it be heaven? Or will it be hell? Three powerful words in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. For we know. Three even more powerful words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. We are confident. You too can know where your eternal house will be. You too can be confident that you'll have a place, a home in heaven. You see, the deed is available today. And to procure that deed, as we look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, there are three simple truths that I want to point out. If you would be sure that you have a home in heaven, one, you need to recognize the purpose of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 5. It says, Now he who hath wrought us or made us, for the selfsame thing is God. God made us to live somewhere forever. God made you in His image. He placed in your heart an innate knowledge of eternity. In fact, Ecclesiastes says He's put eternity in our hearts. That's why around the planet this morning, wherever we go, people everywhere are worshiping something. While the evolutionist has worked overtime for generations to say we're the result of time and the result of some kind of randomness, All the world's rejecting it this morning. For all around the world this morning, unless forced into atheism by some tyrannical government, everyone around the planet says, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. I have this eternity in my heart. Yes, there's an eternity in our heart. 
because God made us for the purpose of spending eternity with him. He who hath wrought us for this selfsame thing is God, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, it's eternal in the heavens. Since you're created in the image of God, you're going to live somewhere forever. This is his purpose. So if you would have a deed to heaven, you begin by agreeing with God. He had a purpose for creating me. I'm a created being created in his image. And then you need to be purchased by the blood. You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5 says, God has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, the word earnest, of course, means a down payment. And when you place your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. And every, everyone who's ever come to Jesus Christ as Savior knows that there's something different. The Bible teaches us that old things pass away and all things become new. There's no way to live the Christian life without the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. And when we come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, the earnest of the Spirit comes to live within us. For as much as we know that we're not redeemed by flesh and blood from our vain conversation received by tradition from our fathers, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ is the only sufficient way for our sins to be forgiven. Jesus came into this world, the infinite God, to provide an infinite sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for your sins and for mine. You see, the sins of the world, though they are many, they are yet finite. But the infinite blood of Jesus Christ who provided a perfect sacrifice for sins is sufficient for everyone who will come to him by faith. The Word of God says, the Spirit then comes to bear witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. You can be sure that you have a deed to a home in heaven. There are three important considerations, I said, or three truths that we need to know. The third truth is this. You need to trust, you need to trust the promises of God's Word. For we walk by faith, verse 7 says, not by sight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how can I have a deed to heaven? I recognize that God created me. I accept the gift of salvation provided by the blood of Jesus Christ when he died upon the cross of Calvary, believing that he died and he rose again, and knowing that I can in no wise earn my own way to heaven. I am purchased by his blood, and then I'm trusting in the promises of his word. When I looked this up, I discovered that 67 million people died in the world last year. We remembered some of them this morning. That's 5.6 million people every month. That's 1.4 million people every week. That's 199,000 people every day. That's 8,333 people every hour, 138 people every second. And one day, I too shall die. And one day, you too shall die as well. Now's the time. Now's the time to be prepared for an eternal house, a house in heaven. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.